in Psalm 18. A fascinating psalm, wonderful look at the culmination of David's heart. It's actually repeated twice. And uh, whenever that happens in Scripture, I think it's really the Lord uh, emphatically desiring to grab our heart's attention. Uh, it's mentioned twice, almost verbatim. There's a couple of little slight changes, nothing major, between Psalm 18 here and uh, 2 Samuel 22. So you have, you have this psalm really at the, at the start of David's career, uh, still being hunted by Saul and does exactly what Sarah and the, and the band just sang, does exactly that, calls on the Lord. And, and I really think the word that pops out for us today, the big takeaway from this particular psalm is the word influence. And uh, really want to unpack that with you today, and then we'll celebrate communion uh, and be off uh, on our way. Just absolutely gorgeous. Look at this, huh? Come on. Thanks for shoveling out and making it to church, huh? Wow. Incredible weather while the rest of the country is just like socked in. I guess the whole East Coast just getting pounded and some dear friends that watch from Minnesota uh, every Sunday and it was like negative 20 or something in Minnesota and they were watching and uh, last weekend this whole thing with Dave in the cave and everything and um, freezing. So I checked in on him and they go, oh, we gave, we're in Florida. <laughs> we're, 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 they're in Florida. And so, um, yeah, this psalm at the beginning of David's career, he cries out to the Lord uh, in the midst of all of his difficulties, his troubles. Um, but then as Samuel would declare, or Ezra, if Ezra is the one writing First and Second Samuel, it really becomes the end of his life, looking back at just how faithful God has been. And so I don't think we'll get through the whole thing. It's uh, one of the longer psalms. It's actually the longest psalm attributed to David. Uh, and this is his swan song. This is his victory celebration of God's faithfulness. Starts with a wonderful introduction that's actually included in the text. It's not added later by the publishers. It's, it's, it's written right in here. Look what it says. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. So the chief musician, that's God. I mean, God is the author of it all, and he's, he's certainly writing this to the Lord, but he's also handing this off to, you know, his worship leader and uh, one of his choir director sort of uh, types. And, and he says, this is a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. And uh, I love that. It doesn't get all like, you know, in your face with his robes and titles and crowns and palaces and king, I'm King David, you'll call me king. You know, he's like, no, I'm a, I'm a servant of the Lord. That is what has influenced his heart. And I think it truly becomes a secret to life. Um, I love that. So much that we could say about that. So much that Jesus says about it. The first will be last. You want to be the greatest? Even as Steve just mentioned, you know, we would have a lot more students in our school, uh, and Scott can attest to this, and he's here today, our headmaster. We'd have a lot more kids in our school if we had more teachers. 
And so uh, if you want to serve, if you have a credential, you want to just pull off the shelf and dust off, uh, we could have a lot more kids right now uh, if, we had, if we had more teachers, especially at the, at the lower levels. And uh, I'm not, just not wanting to turn any of them away. I'm just really praying there would be uh, those in light of all that's happening and the mess uh, that Sacramento has made of our state and just the destruction of our, of our school system and all that, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some teachers that are even listening to this right now that are like, I am ready for a, a fresh change where Christ is honored and uh, the gospel is centered in, in all of the education. But that's David's heart, is just to serve. And he didn't go looking for this. He was out taking care of the sheep. He didn't like um, realized that Saul was on the decline, so I'm going to um, fill in my, my application. I'm going to apply for the job of king. He, 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 he's just serving the Lord. The Lord opened this door for him. He's just a servant of the Lord. In fact, look what he says here. Who spoke to the Lord the words of this song, when? On vacation? No, on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So he's got all of his enemies that he kind of clumps into this pile, but he doesn't put Saul in that pile. This is fascinating. This is the influence of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's even regretting, as we saw in the previous psalm, that when he was in the cave, he was hiding out in the cave, the cave to which then Saul uh, marches in to do his business, and the, you know, this cave becomes Saul's outhouse, and and all of a sudden, all of, his, all of his guys, David's guys are like, this is your chance, man. Seize the moment. Take him out. And he, he even clips off the robe of Saul and ends up regretting that. He's like, how can, I, how can I touch the Lord's anointed? And here he doesn't clump his most fierce enemy into the pile of enemies. He's like, um, here's all my enemies. And, and here's, the, here's the one that the Lord is sort of promoted and put into this, into this spot. It's absolutely fascinating to me how that influence influences David. Jesus has the heart of a servant. He comes to serve. He says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And that heart of influence influences us. Should be even right now as, as we're gathering together. I know it is the kids. Can't say enough about your kids. I know there's a lot of knucklehead kids in this county. Your kids are awesome. I'm telling you straight up, I'm getting these fascin just absolutely fascinating praise reports of what God is doing in the lives of your kids up at camp, how they're just growing and leaning in, and just can't say enough about Josh Dyer and, and, uh, and Steve Case, Aaron Tivitt, all these guys, Mitch, everybody's just doing an awesome job uh, just raising the kids in, in the midst of, you know, like last week it was like, how are you going to stay clean in a latrine? Here David thinks he's hiding out in the cave that now becomes this outhouse. And here are these kids, you know. Look at my grandkids. My grandkids do not know a world without masks. And what that's doing to them. You know, what that's doing to them just in terms of all of the, just the, the facial, facial recognition that, that's, that's being erased and removed from our society. And so it's in those moments that I'm wondering who you cry out to. It's in those moments. 
And uh, your kids are crying out to the Lord at camp this weekend. Stephen Patterson is here. He's on campus. Steve Armendaris, uh, one of our other Steves, is, you know, I'm getting so old, I just name everybody on staff Steve. So I say, Steve, they all come. Uh, you know, Armendaris is filling in with announcements and all, does a wonderful job for us. But Patterson's filling in for Dyer, and Brock Gamble, my my brother-in-law married my sister Beth. He's filling in for Tividar in Club 56, and everybody's just stepping up to serve. How about you? Let's let's do this together. And uh, that's David's heart, and it's his heart even on his last day, and it's his heart even on his worst day. He's not like, well, maybe you know. I mean, if I it's like every single guy is like, well, you know, I'm just working on this great deal right now, Pastor Bob. I'm telling you, man, if this deal comes together. Well, it's just going to be, oh man, if I just had a. He steps up in his hardest moment and calls on the Lord, serves the Lord. Says this most amazing, beautiful psalm. Look what he says, I will love you. I will love you, O Lord, all my strength. Look at this, look at this. The Lord is my rock. My fortress, my deliverer. I counted eight here. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Throw them up there, guys. Just put them on the screen for us so we can remember them. Maybe some folks can jot them down. He's like, here's eight of them. A a new year, a new beginning, a new new. Here we go. Here's why I'm going to love you, Lord, because you're my rock. Come on, someone say amen to that. You are my fortress. You are my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. You are my trust. What are you trusting in? What are you trusting? You're running out of options. He says, I I will trust in you. You are my trust. You are my shield. He's going to repeat that through this psalm in the most beautiful of ways. You're my shield, my defense, my protection. You're the horn of my salvation. Horn is the horn of plenty, right? The cornucopia. You are my supplier. Who's your supplier? Mitch and Hannah there's, living over my son and his wife and family in Escondido, and they got this little condo over there in Escondido. Last night, there was this like, drug deal going down, and uh, loud, and, and, and awful, just horrible, hellish, like one like, teaching someone else how to snort it, and breathe, breathe, it's just like, you know, it's like crazy, and so they left, they got out of there, they were like right in the middle of junk harm's way. Are you going to call cops? The cops are, you call the cops on something like that. We've got a cop playing drums for us today. And he's like, you call the cops on something like that, they're going to laugh at you. They're 100,000 behind on the criminal cases in the courts downtown. So they left. I don't know, it's like two in the morning. They left. They, fortunately, they have an Airstream over here on the property. They came over and, and uh, slept in the Airstream. And... Uh, so I was talking to him this morning. I used to live in Ocean Beach. In Ocean Beach, we had that all the time. We had drug deals going down all the time, every night. Crazy. Craziness going on. And a vacation rental above us. You tell them to be quiet. They're like, quiet, we paid to be loud. We paid to be loud. We are here to party. They're not going to be quiet. The drug deal's going on and the vacation rental's going And then there's a murder. We had a murder in our complex. So I'm like, Mitch, just, you know, you know, call me back when you get a murder. I mean, it's just sort of like, 
where, where, where's this world going? Where's it going? And where are you going to go? What are you going to trust? And he's like, I'm turning to the Lord. I'm turning to the Lord. This is, this is craziness that's going on around here. Martin Buber was like one of the most famous philosophers. He was the best well-known Israeli philosopher. A Nobel Prize for Literature is nominated over ten times. Nobel Peace Prize nominated over seven times. He talks about influence. And he's like, I'll tell you. He writes and he says, well, I'll tell you what's going on. He's like, I had this discernment of this emerging and destructive trajectory that he saw society headed towards. And he warned that there is this new religion of self. It is the religion of self. And David easily could have gone there with all of his robes and pomps and circumstances and his prizes and all of his trophies and all of his crowns and, and, and you know, all of that going down and going on and everything. But he's like, I don't want that to influence me. I want this to influence me. This right here. You're, who is your supplier? Who is your trust? Who is your shield? Who is your defense? Look what he says. My supply and my, my stronghold. Look at verse 3, and I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. And a lot of times the enemy that we're talking about is self and sin. And he could have easily seen himself in the light of what is going to influence me? What is, what is it going to be? Is it going to be my, my will, my, my, cho- my, my will, my desires on the throne? Or this on the throne? Self on the throne or, 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 or this list right here? To whom God deserves all honor and glory and praise. It's going to be a, a, a life of drugs and, and, and sex and rock and roll. Is it going to be success? Is it going to be the, the, the numbers? Ultimately it does for David become, well, let's just do the census, you know, even though the Lord has told me not to. Let's just census, this is like... Find out just exactly how, how right? He's like, no, 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 it's not going to be that. It's going to be this. It's going to be this. So ultimately, who influences your influence? Because you have influence, Mom. Dad, you have influence over your kids, over the direction of their lives, and what we're speaking into them, what we're trusting into their life, entrust into their life. What, what, what will the deposit be? Will it be flesh? Will it be self? Will it be, right? Or will it be the Lord? Will it be the Lord? What or who will influence your influence? Because in all of his comings and goings and highs and lows, and David's had it all, that's what the book of Psalms is all about. This, you know, if, if the Lord's prayer reminds us that we're to pray, the book of Psalms teaches us how. And in all of life's situations, ups and downs and highs and lows and trials and tribulations, here's David saying, this will be my single theme. You will be my influence. You will be my, not, he could have done success because he's like, look at the success of me, you know. And he slips and he falls and you're going to read this psalm with me. We won't get through all of it, but we'll get through a chunk of it. I hope you get the gist of it. And you're like, he couldn't have written this before Bathsheba. And that's why it's in there twice. It's in there at the beginning and it's in there at the end. And you're like, yeah, but he did give in to, he did, he did. But now he's looking at himself through the lens of how God sees him in Christ. Could have played the victim card. He's the seventh born, the seventh. 
Samuel shows up at the house, right? And he's like, I'm here to anoint the next king. And the firstborn is like, yeah, that's got to be me. It's not you, pal. And the secondborn is really cheering because it wasn't the firstborn, right? If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Signed your second child. <laughs> it's not the secondborn. It's not the thirdborn. It's not the fourthborn. It's not the fifthborn. Talk about playing the victim card. Finally, Samuel turns to Jesse and says, you got any more boys? And Jesse can't even remember David's name, straight up. Doesn't even remember. I think I got one more. He's out with the sheep, kind of a ready guy. That's all Samuel gets. And Samuel says, nobody sits, nobody's doing anything until this unnamed son comes. I'm going to anoint him the next king. And so you see in the midst of all of this, he's like at odds with his brothers. Just think of the rivaling contention that must have gone on in the bunkhouse that night. Seriously? You? Right? Did he have a relationship with his mom? Do we even know? I mean, in some of the Psalms, you actually get the idea that David was born out of wedlock. You get this idea that he was a oops, that number seven was a mistake, that he was born in iniquity. He literally says that, right? And so, you know, a lot of people have become very famous playing the victim card and just kind of allowing that to be their influence. And the odds that they just sort of feel in this hand that they've been dealt. And he's like, the brothers, the brothers. You know, it's just like really not much better than what Joseph was dealing with where his brothers are concerned. And yet in the midst of all of it, in the midst of all of it, I even think in those early years when he was all alone out there in the back pasture. He's a loner. He was out there by himself. And yet it gathered within him dependency upon God it built inside of him a beautiful prayer life dependency that he now needs needs to truly depend upon as he has become a fugitive he has now been on the run for 15 years as Saul has sought to take his life in the midst of all of that ask yourself here's the application who is going to influence my influence who will I who or what will I end up reflecting being like in my life right and he, he's like pointing in, in all of these things and it's like he's just stacking title upon title upon title you saw him all, all eight of them there i mean maybe there's more maybe you can find more he just stacks title he just can't say enough about how great god has been and the application for us is to do the same and allow him to be all that influences us because man everything else around us is just absolutely going to stinking crazy pot. I love the beauty of his rescue. Look at verse 4. The pangs, the pangs of death. Look at verse 4. The pangs of death surround me. This is not a good day in David's life. The floods of ungodly, the floods of ungodliness. You just like feel that where our culture is concerned right now. This is what this is the soup we're living in. This has gone crazy. It's gone a hundred thousand criminal cases backlogged. In the court system. Sorrows of shield surrounding The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God. Now, 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 some of us, even right now, maybe you're tuning in and you're like, well, I've tried that. Listen, grab elements for communion. If you don't know God as David knows God, you haven't met God. 
whatever elements of communion you've got to take, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. We've got these silly COVID crazy contraptions up here waiting for us. Just grab some Ritz crackers. Good on you if you've got them. I'm jealous. I was a wedding. I did a wedding in Point Loma, and the bride and the groom were supposed to bring the elements for communion, and they forgot. And I get it. They're busy. They've got all sorts of things they're worried about. And I was up early this morning helping Matt with his wedding and honeymoon arrangements and everything. So I get it. You know, it's like, oh, we forgot the communion. So we grabbed, we grabbed, uh, we grabbed a Ritz cracker and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and we had communion at that, at that wedding. It was a little gassy. It was a bit gassy, but it works. Doesn't matter. You, you grab that because, listen, we're going to celebrate communion together, and it really is our public affection and display in, in, in agreeing and identifying where our lives are concerned, whatever's going on around us, that we are in agreement with David, that we're putting it all on you, God, allowing you to be the influence that influences us. What influence influences you? And whose influence are you under? I want you to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the power of Almighty God, a risen Lord and Savior, and, and, and now just filling you with the gifts of His Holy Spirit, the fruit of His Holy Spirit, the administration of those gifts as you are Spirit-led in your, in your life, in your, in your family, in your marriage, in, in, your, in, in, in your career. The beauty of this is God meets Him in the midst of this pang, the pangs of death, the floods of ungodliness, the sorrows of Sheol. He's like at the brink of hell. He's at hell's door. The snares of death confronted me, he says in verse 6. He says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. And some of us, you know, you say, well, I tried that. It didn't work. Really? You might be like one prayer away from a just a hallelujah moment of rescue that you could experience what David does. He's just like, he, this, is, this is what Sarah was singing. This, this is what's absolutely amazing about, he heard my voice. He hears us when we cry out to him, you guys. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. He's not deaf and he's not distracted. He's tuned in and he's And look at this, in God now hearing David's prayer, this is, this is so crazy beautiful, this is amazing. In hearing his prayer, mom, listen moms, pray, pray over your kids, pray over your grandkids. I got some beautiful emails from folks in this church that so identified with, with that Larry King CNN episode, I'm praying with you for your kids, don't stop praying. The, Faithful prayers availeth much, moms and dads. Look at he prays, God hears, God answers, even to his ears. And then, then what? Look at verse 7. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills were quaked and shaken because he became, he was angry. God was angry. And smoke went up from his nostrils, devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. Bowed, bowed the heavens also, and he came down, he came down, he came down with darkness under his feet, and he rode upon a cherub, and he flew, he flew upon the wings of the wind. 
God did. God came down. God heard and God responded. God came to my rescue. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters, thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. Now, if, if you thought God was against you instead of for you, this would freak you out. Is he coming for me? No, he's coming for the ones that are coming for you. He's on your side. If God is for me, who could be against me? This is the Lord coming to your aid, coming to your rescue. Look at 13. Look at 13. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High uttered His voice. Hailstones, coals of fire. He sent out His arrows and scattered the foe. Lightnings in abundance. And He vanquished them. Then, then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were uncovered. And at Your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of Your nostrils. God. You see this? This is just amazing. You're like, I've never seen this. This is the most colorful 3D prayer inside David. What's he seeing? I think he's seeing this. I mean, Philippians tells us that the God of the universe, the God that made everything, the God that does not have to borrow from a bank to call Himself equal. This God emptied Himself and became a man on our behalf. Stepped into harm's way for you and for me. Got off of His throne. Got off of His stage. Came down to be with us. And then the nostrils of this little infant baby in Bethlehem began to breathe. And I think what David is describing is the time between him leaving the throne and breathing through the nostrils of an infant baby. And if we could have just like had a peek into the spiritual realm beyond the time and space of, 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 of this world, of this dimension, of this realm, there must have been lightnings and thunderings and hail and all sorts of spiritually going on as this God now steps in in the answer not only to David's prayer but all of our prayers comes to save the day and rescue us from our sin hallelujah that's what's going on here that's what he sees he sent look at verse 16 he sent from above and he took me and he drew me out of many waters you know what that means he saved me he delivered me from my strong enemy from those who hated me. They were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of calamity, but the Lord was my support. Look at this. Look at this. this is your new favorite verse. Verse 19. He also brought me out into a broad place. That's a safe place. He, he lifted me up out of this murky, miry pit, this sea of sickness and sin. He's, he is his right arm, his fellowship arm, his, his salvation arm reached down and, and lifted me up out of that, set me in a safe place, in a broad place. Look at this. And delivered me, have you ever seen this verse? Because he delighted in me. He delights in you. He's not just putting up with your nonsense, of which there is a lot to put up with. Mine too. No, he, 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 he delivers because he delights. That's exactly what David had said in the previous psalm, that we are the apple of his eye. He delivered me because he 
delighted in me. I don't know about you, that's, that's worth getting up, getting dressed, getting in the car and driving over here, that just your self-esteem would be lifted up a few notches and knowing that God is for you, He loves you, and He delights in you, He likes you. He doesn't just love you with this eternal, heavenly, everlasting love. He likes you. He delivered me because He Delighted. This is David describing God as some SEAL team, special forces convoy that just comes in and wins the war. That just steps in and sometimes we could just kind of limit it into this innocent, powerless, infant baby in the manger of Bethlehem. No, this is like the special forces of heaven that has come to seize the moment and win the day. I've had the privilege and honor when, when SEAL teams from our neck of the woods here at Pendleton and Coronado have been sent out, have been privileged to pray with them, to pray over them as they have been deployed. And, 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 and at that meal, at, at that evening, there is not a single atheist. I mean, there's no atheists in the foxholes and no atheists on the day of deployment. They got their wives there. They got their kids there. They got their dogs and cats and pets and birds. Everybody's there and we're we're praying and we're trusting and the SEAL team goes out. Remember one SEAL team member in particular, head of his particular division and team had his daughter in our school and she freaked out and had nightmares. Every time the phone rang, she thought dad was dead. Like the phone ringing just would trigger her. And so he's off being deployed they would never tell us where, but we would pray together and we'd meet together. And then on one particular day, Scott and Matt and, and, and our team at, at, at Horizon Prep was having a, a, a lunch, special lunch, daddy-daughter lunch day. We'd do them all the time. And this particular time, this daughter, dad's deployed on the seal. And she's having nightmares every time the phone rings. So she, they, they, call the, they call the office here and there goes, um, it's daddy-daughter lunch day. Is there any way Pastor Bob could fill in and uh, it'd be my dad for the day? It was just an awesome privilege and honor. Got her this little sort of horizon prep lion stuffed animal and did my best just to love on her the best that I could. And, and here's God stepping in like that for David. It's the SEAL team warrior of a God. Stop limiting Him as one who doesn't hear your prayers or respond to you in your moment of need. He's there for you. He sees you. He's got everything covered. Every February down at the FBI, February is, is the month of tryouts for our SWAT team. We have a SWAT team at the Bureau and all the special agents who desire to apply for this can apply in February as tryouts. And so again, they invite the chaplain to come and pray over all these new recruits that want to be a part of the FBI SWAT team. Because you get all the toys with that assignment. You get all you get the vests and the... You the just like. So we take them down. We've got this um, special range down at the border and, and kind of this situational house where they're kind of like storm into and make sure all the bad guys are out of the house and everything kind of like Mitchell's condominium complex this morning at two o'clock in the morning it's like 
Except this one doesn't have a roof on it, and I'm up in the rafters, and I'm observing the whole thing, and in come all the recruits. They, they, they don't know what they're doing yet. They're still learning. They're still trying out and everything, and they forgot to check behind one of the doors where one bad guy remains, and he kind of pops up from behind the door and just sprays them all. It's all paintball, so it's just like sprays them all with the paintball, and it's fluorescent. You can see who's, who's been shot and who's not, and Bill Gardner heads up the SWAT team, and he looks up in the rafters at me, and he goes, Chap! They all call me Chap. Chap! What do you see? And these guys are... (laughs) Said, I see a lot of funerals. And uh, and Gardner said, no funerals. Chaplain says, no funerals. We don't want no funerals. And here God is saying, I am stepping my life in between you and harm's way. I'm checking behind every door. And I've got the bad guy. And here David, in the midst of all that he is faced with, is allowing that to influence him in going forward, both at the beginning of his life, Psalm 18, as well as at the end of his life, reflectively looking back in 2 Samuel 22. It is all the same to the glory of God, for He has delivered me because He delights in me. And then he just goes off, he goes off, crazy like David does. You're not even going to believe what he says. Do you know what he says? Look at verse 20. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. That's cool. According to the cleanness of my hands. Now you know anything about David. You guys know anything about David. He wanted to build a temple for God. And God looked at him and said, Dave, sorry, you can't build me that temple. Why? Because your hands are dirty. And yet now he's writing... So what's cleaned his hands? What's cleaned his hands up? Dove? Perel? Or the dove of the Holy Spirit that through the elements to which this table represents can wash our sins as white as snow. He's able to see himself as God sees him in Christ. Knowing in and of himself his hands are dirty, so dirty he can't even build the temple. But now washed as white as snow, sin removed as far as the east is from the west because of the power of the deliverance and victory through which now David can write because of Jesus. Because of Jesus he can say, my hands are clean. He has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not wickedly departed from my God. He had wickedly departed from the Lord at times in his life. But God doesn't see him that way. God sees David in Christ, who never wickedly walked away from the Lord. He sees you in Christ. You need Christ in your life for, for, for the coverings of all this. Otherwise, that threatened warning of the thundering of God being on the move like puts you in harm's way unless you are in Christ. To which then you can say along with David, I have, I've, I've kept the ways of the Lord. I'm faithfully trusting in what Jesus Christ has done for me. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him. Was he always? No, but Jesus was. 
Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness and according to the cleanness of my hands in His sight. In His sight. That's some influence. That's some influence that influences David's perspective. Then he says this, beautifully, he says this in verse 25, with the merciful you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man you will show yourself blameless. With the pure you'll show yourself pure. With the devious you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people. Remember how he starts in the intro? A servant of the Lord. You will save the humble people. Well, you'll bring down... You'll bring down haughty looks. This is the same passage that Jesus borrows from in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, he says this. He says, whatever measure you're going to measure others with is the measure it's going to be measured back to you, right? He says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain what? Mercy. you got to be merciful to get mercy. No, I just want to get mercy. I just want to... I want you to sick them and be merciful to me. Um, Doesn't work that way. Here's how it works. Here's how it works. Look at this, verse 28. Here's how it works. For you will light my lamp. I'm not the light of my own life. That is dim and flickering and dull, it is dead, you will light my lamp. It's all about you, Lord. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Look at this. For by you I can run against a troop. Not in my own strength, not in myself. That's not going to be my influence. You're the influence that influences. By you I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven, and He is a shield. Come on, to all who trust in Him. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Beautiful, beautiful passage. I, I'm one of the greatest things that we did together as a church. I remember I was at a a law enforcement prayer breakfast at College Avenue Baptist. And here everyone was talking about different things. And all of a sudden I overheard that because of budgetary constraints, no longer were uh, bulletproof vests going to be made available to the cops in Escondido, the Escondido Police Department. You want to you wear a vest? You buy it yourself. Because the budget doesn't include vests any longer. I'm like, at the breakfast, I'm like, now I know why God wanted me to come to the breakfast, because that's crazy. Are you kidding me? So I came back and I told you all. I told you all. I go, here's the deal. And how fun would it be as a church for us to buy the cops vests? And so for Christmas that year, I thought maybe we'd be able to find enough donations to provide, I don't know, six or seven, eight, on a good day, ten vests. You guys, in one weekend, purchased all the vests for 330 officers of the Escondido Police Department. You guys are amazing. You guys are incredible. And we gave with those vests this verse. This verse right here. He is a shield to all who put their trust in Him. 
and the thank you letters that I got on your behalf. Church, you're amazing. Jesus is awesome in you guys. Keep doing it. The thank you letters, not just from the officers, but from the spouses. And Mitch, Mitch, you know, living in Escondido, uh, runs into these officers from time to time. Not because he's speeding, just because he's... (laughs) And they are still singing your praises. They are still thanking the Lord for this. Well, I got to... I got to wrap this up. I got to um, look what he says, though. Look at verse thirty-four. Who is God except the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? We're going to sing this song together as we celebrate communion. This this song by Martin Luther. This old hymn: "A mighty fortress is our God." You know why? Because he takes the lyrics of that tune right out of Psalm eighteen, right here. Who is who is Who's the God of your life except the Lord? Who's the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet steady. The feet of a deer, he sets me in a high place. You guys, this is awesome. This is the Lord for us. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. He's the influence. He's the influencer. He gives me discernment even at times of war and the world's at war right now. Who knows what's going to break out between Putin and the Ukraine. Ukraine isn't the deal. It's just caught in the crossfire as a lot of you feel right now in this spiritual battle. Whether China's going to be on the move with Taiwan. Who knows what's happening in the world. David shows us where to turn and where to run and who's our strength and who is our refuge. Look at verse 35. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. The shield of salvation. Your right hand has held me up and your, your gentleness has made me great. Your gentleness Dr. Graham Billy, when he came to our city and together we did the crusade at Qualcomm, he gave me a Bible at the end of that series of meetings and signed it and wrote in that Bible that verse. That verse is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men for the Lord is at hand. You don't have to like walk out of here thinking, You're the special forces SEAL team. No one's going to mess with me, man. God is your shield. And let your gentleness be great among men. It'll melt hearts, guys. Let your gentleness be be known. And and then I love this. I just love how he he wraps it up. He, he He says, you enlarge my path under me so that my feet do not slip therefore verse 49 he wraps it up therefore i will give thanks to you O lord i'll give thanks to you among the gentiles here's here's king david servant of the lord including now in god's invitation to his family all the gentiles 
Look at that. I will, I will give thanks to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praises to your name. For great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David. Here's where you come in. And to his descendants forever. Someone said, someone said a lot of men, a lot of folks, a lot of us identify with David's sins. Very few of us identify with David's repentance. How so true is that line from Benjamin Franklin? In the founding of this nation, he's like, no, 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 no. Too many of us in this country are identifying with David's faults and with David's sins. Far too few of us are identifying with his repentance. Because his repentance is what brings him into the favor of the place that he resides in Psalm 18. It's his repentance. You know when he repents? Guys, the issue that he is repenting of never raises its ugly head again. It is severed. It is over. It is done with in David's life. He repents. He moves forward. He's clean and he celebrates the victory of this song, this song to whom Martin Luther writes. Would you stand with us? Come on, let's stand and let's sing this to our God, the mighty fortress that our God is for us, the victory that he has provided. The men are going to come and serve us and we'll celebrate communion together. Come on, let's sing it out.